This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Part 5. And the final part of my 100th episode review. 100 shows, everybody. Hey everyone, it's Valerie here. In this final part of my five-part look back and counting ahead episode, celebrating my 100th episode, we end on my new theme, a great pattern to brighten up your bed, anglers, chakras, COVID, and more. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. This show is about eating, reading, and creating. How these three things influence us every day and the people that make this happen. Isn't it you or me or our friends? Episode 83, Eat, Read, Create. My new theme that suits me just perfectly. Here's the clip. Now, it's not ready to be revealed yet, but I'm going to just entice you a little. It's a story podcast. I'm going to tell a story, a true story, about a house that was haunted and a legend it became. Each episode, I will fill you in on a chapter, week by week, chapter by chapter. The story is set in the early 1940s in Indiana. Stay tuned for this. It's a side job for me and I'm in love with it. Even my husband is interested and you know he barely listens to the show. He also may have a voice moment or two in this new book project. Are you interested? I'm looking for creative talent to cover art, voices to add. I have an actor from Vancouver who will be part of this. I also have podcasters from around the world with thousands of listeners that are going to be included in this show. This will be separate from my podcast here, but will be an original Valerie Moss production. I'll continue to update you on this, so stay tuned. It's building momentum, and I'm so excited to share this progress with you. I've amalgamated almost 30 actors, podcasters, and voice producers for this book project also. Think bricks flying through windows that only one person sees. Sounds of scissors shearing. But do they really? A voodoo doll that looks like someone. All this and more in this upcoming book, soon to be revealed. What else did I hear you say? Did I hear you say that? I'm also working with a Calgary detective turned writer, and we delve into his book and his job. Valerie. 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 We're going to do more Valerie interviews because these amazing women keep connecting with me. Why are our names so amazing and rare? Well, at least I think my name is amazing, but I love interviewing Valerie's. They are 
kind of like me. They're just like their own people. They're got these crazy personalities and I'm just kind of collecting them all. So stay tuned for that. Episode 84, what to do, what to do. A bit about my year in a nutshell, along with a few other people's perspectives. I'm organically best suited for to date are self-help books like meditation, sleep, being mindful, and also diet books like keto and intermittent fasting. I'm enjoying this so much. Have you ventured into this as a side hustle? Reach out to me. I'd love to be able to chat with someone else in the business. It's a tricky thing to read, edit, and produce to the quality standards required by ACX for Audible, but it's making me learn and keeping me connected and going through this weird time in our world, it sure is helping. As a bit of a downside though, I've contracted, I don't know if that's the right word, I've acquired maybe carpal tunnel syndrome in my hand and up my arm. It's been brutal. I was icing this and taking breaks and as such being late on my contracts. So my hubby went out and purchased a new mouse for me. This is a mouse that when held in the position of a handshake and it's released my pains by like over 80%. So if you're experiencing any pain in your hands, elbow and up into your neck, I'd suggest testing out a new mouse. I bought the Logitech MX vertical mouse. Check out my site for a link in a picture. I'd also love to have a treatment like massage or osteopathy, but I'm scared to head out. And honestly, I'm not even sure if they are working. If you have any ideas for stretching that have worked for you, please send this to me. I need some help with this. Okay, so here's the next joke I found. What if they close the grocery stores? We'll have to hunt for our food. I don't even know where Doritos live. <laughs> I thought that one was really funny. <laughs> so I have been eating, reading, and of course, creating during this time. I feel like I want to do everything to just keep me grounded and keep me from not freaking out. How are you feeling during this time? Did you buy all the groceries you think you need for a while? Did you stock up on your favorite things? I did my big shop on the Friday before this gong show started. I went into the roastery in Kensington on a week ago Sunday, which was only allowing six people in the coffee shop at one time to get a hot chocolate to share with my little munchkin. This was about 18 days ago. I'm not comfortable really going into a store yet, are you? So I've been busy creating. Every once in a while, we purge London's room, toys and clothes, and bring to the Salvation Army to donate. We have a batch of old books and toys in the back of my car, as I haven't been down to deliver these yet. I wonder if they're even taking deliveries. Anyways, I felt like creating, so I dug up... Episode 85, Easiest Spring Pillowcase and Giveaway. A fun project to brighten up your bed with new pillowcases, step-by-step instructions, and a bonus giveaway. Check it out. So you want your front and back to be mirrored. So when you look at the side of your pillowcase, the stripe goes all the way basically around in the same position. You don't want it to be like alternating.
Well, at least I didn't. I mean, you can make yours scrappy, but I think it's nicer if the stripe goes all the way around the pillowcase. Then you make two sections, your 29 by 18 in a variety of stripes. Then you need to make these little strips for the ties. And yes, you might go, oh, groan, groan, but the ties are so satisfying and they look so good. So I think you should take the time to do the ties. And they're easy to do. Again, all of this is on my blog. So what you want to do is you want to do your first, your front and back the same. And the very end, the closed end, I used only one piece. So then at the end of your pillowcase, you don't have a seam there. It's like a nice um, soft piece of fabric with no seam. Then you want to have your cuff or something matching between the two. So either the whole pillowcase can be matching or you can do like a his and hers and do one in light and one in dark or have a few of the same color. So they look like a set on your bed. Then what you want to do is make the ties. I also have this laid out on my blog, but they were super easy. And I just took a full length, like a full width of fabric in three inch strip. Then I folded it in half and then I folded that half into three just with an iron. And then I sewed the full length twice. So to catch it just off center on your strip. So your end strip is about an inch wide. Then what you'll do is you'll take that entire length and you'll just cut it into four. Now, I didn't finish the ends. I thought they were fine as they were. They're not going to fray or anything, but it's up to you. If you want to take that extra time and finish the very ends of each of the four sections, you could do that. But you would have to do all four strips separately and not as one long one and then cut it apart. So I don't know. I think that's too much work for a set of pillowcases. So now you have your front and back. And on my layout on my blog post, you'll see how to like tuck in your ties before you do your cuff. So your cuff and your ties are essentially the last step. So you'll get those all connected to your strips. And then what you'll do is you'll sew all the strips together so you have one long section. It's like 65 inches long for one pillowcase. And then what you're going to do is I press all the seams open and I used a little wider. Episode 86, chakras. What are these? Another great audiobook produced by yours truly. Did you know your heart chakra is positioned in your heart area and focuses on love, relationships, and self-acceptance? Here's the clip. You're complaining. Look at the bright side. Physical associations are the pineal gland, brain, and nervous system, obviously, in that area. So those are the seven chakras. So if we start at our root chakra and work our way up, they are all color-coded. Root chakra is red. Sacral chakra is kind of a reddish-orange. Solar plexus chakra is yellow. Heart chakra is green, throat chakra is blue, third eye chakra is purple, and crown chakra is kind of like a magenta purple pink color. So once I got into this book, I had to do a lot of research on 
like how to pronounce pronounce so many of these words. So I'm going to give you just the table of contents, and then we'll go into here the introduction or a chapter. So chapter one is the root chakra, Maladhara. Chapter two is sacral chakra, Savastana. Chapter three, solar plexus chakra, Manipura. Chapter four is heart chakra, Anahata. Chapter five, throat chakra, Vijadua. Chapter six, third eye chakra, Ajna. Chapter seven, crown chakra, Sahasraha. Chapter eight, chakra meditation, which I loved, taught you all about breathing into the different chakra areas. Chapter nine is Reiki chakra. Chapter 10, everyday uses of chakra crystals, which was really interesting. Chapter 11 is guided meditation, how to meditate correctly, and you can do this anywhere. So it was very valuable. Chapter 12, mindfulness and positivity. Now, mindfulness is becoming more and more apparent. And what's interesting about mindfulness is it's about being in the moment. We're so distracted today with our phones and our social media and our connection to everything. Mindfulness is really being in the moment, focusing on exactly what you're doing in the moment. Right now, I'm listening to the dog barking outside which I shouldn't be, but I'm really focusing on what I want to share with you today. I have a nice cup of coffee, being mindful of the time, my voice, just really being connected to the moment. When I was conversing with the author, I offered to have them on the show, but they chose to decline. Now, one thing about ACX and working with rights holders is they're not always the author of the book. And the author of the book isn't always a real person, they're pen names. And a lot of authors do this. Like you've heard people write um, under a ghost name or pen name, like Stephen King writes books under another name. It, I didn't think it was as common as it is, but it's very common. Episode 87 and 88, Valerie Butters. Oh my goodness, was this lady fun to interview. She's a player of paint on canvas and is so real in her social posts. It's really a given to follow her and learn from her wit. She's amazing. Here's the clip. It wouldn't be, but, you know, like I've been through the military. I was the only woman in my, in my unit that, well, I was really the only woman in my unit. Mm-hmm. And when we would like be divided up into sections and and it just some group would get stuck with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was yeah, better. And you know, I was better than a lot of these guys that were that I was training with. And when, when you're going through, through boot camp, you, you see people dropping like flies. I mean, you, people just can't yeah. handle it. They, yeah. like, you have to have a sense of humor. Like you just, you can't take it seriously because it's, it's a joke. I mean, the way, what they do, how they yell at you, what they make you do. And if you, if you don't laugh about it, you're, you're not going to survive. And, and, and I'm programmed that way that, that I, I like to see the funny and stuff because I appreciate I really appreciate humor. I think humor is so creative. And, and then I ended up at the, at, 
at the end of it and I was still standing and some of the older ranks started to appreciate my skill because I was a really good shot Mm -hmm. and it just it just wasn't it just wasn't enough for them but you know in the art world in the military it's different because they can yell at you and that's just part of the military (laughs) right you know it's like being that's like construction yeah, they just construction. Yeah. They get to yell at you, and I, I mean, I can take that on on the in the in the art world. In the it's site. not like that. There's so many levels of of um, of diplomacy and 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 la politesse, and and then you know with all these layers of <laughs> of of uh, filtering. Yeah, filtering and and and. Yeah, it's, and the, and they kind of look down on people too. But anyhow, the, the, what's interesting, what's happening now, there are some women who are starting to be leaders in the art world. But you know, like when I teach workshops and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I'll have uh, seventeen women sign up and maybe one man, and that's pretty consistent for like most of the art world. Um, most most women. I mean, you look at Instagram, most women. Most artists on Instagram are women, but and and there's such a small percentage of artists that are men. But the men succeed right away. <laughs> yeah, that might be another conversation for a different yeah. day. Because yeah. I, yeah, being in construction, you, you know, you got to kind of follow the lead too. You got to kind of you know make your way in there and not ruffle too many feathers. But on the other side. It's just you in the end. Yeah. So you have to stand up for yourself or prove a point or shut somebody down, whatever, right? But I think... Episode 89, Mental Health, Challenge Me. This was a difficult episode to write about. I was part of a challenge and one based on these words. I feel like we all go through bouts of depression or sadness in our lives. Here's my story. And being a widow under 40, I was fearful my daughter would grow up without her dad. I have people in my life that are unkind, and they're unkind to the people I love deeply. These people are mean-spirited and passive-aggressive and narcissistic, and they cross the line too much to count. And as such, I choose not to include them to save my heart from further pain. Mental illness to me is all of these things. And if we allow ourselves to be crushed by sadness, hope, disparity, strength, this will happen. We will be crushed. Mental illness will set in and conquer our lives. What we need to do is to embrace it, live it, let it fester for its time, and then forgive it, leave it by the curb, and become more whole than you have ever. This is now part of you, whether you like it or not. The heaviness of this moment, this person, this loss, this love, 
have my moments with Christmas just passed and not seeing my mom for another Christmas. But I have friends that fill up my days and I'm open to trying, buying, eating, drinking, talking, playing, being together, saying yes when asked, being the asker because I need to be purposeful and fulfilled. Episode 90, Guest Spot, on another podcast, Because I Saved a Life. Here's the clip, an emotional retelling of a time I saved a life while on my honeymoon. Do you think of this event often now in your life? And if so, what makes it come up? Do you still keep in touch with the person you saved? And if so, what is that relationship like? How has this event changed your life? Do you have any closing wisdom to leave for our listeners? Now, does she ask good questions or what? Please visit my show notes to link to the full episode. But as a favor, I asked Brandy to share a seven-minute clip for my listeners to review. So check this out. Being human to me means having empathy means reading a room for emotion, feeling emotion, being connected to people on a level that doesn't really like need words, just having that spiritual feeling, even though I'm not super religious, but having that and just kind of knowing that you matter, you matter to the people you're with, you matter to the people that are in your circle. Welcome to the On Being Human podcast, where we believe transforming ourselves can positively transform society. Your host, Brandy Fleck, has the honor of exploring the human condition with real people who bravely share their personal stories of adversity, healing, joy, and more. If you're seeking empowerment, strength, and inspiration, listen in to engage and explore tough topics that help us humanize one another, understand ourselves better, spread love, and connect. Welcome back this week to the On Being Human podcast. I'm your host, Brandy Fleck. Valerie Moss of Calgary, Alberta, Canada is a podcaster hosting Valerie's Variety Podcast. She's an audiobook narrator for books you can find on Audible, and she's a wife and mom. Valerie is many amazing things, but what Valerie is not is a paramedic or healthcare worker. However, she saved a life anyways, while on her honeymoon, while wearing a string bikini. Hmm, what happened so that the stars aligned, that the circumstances were what they were? In this episode, you're getting a truly heartfelt retelling of the time Valerie saved a life and all the emotion that goes with it. By talking to Valerie, I learned that a person's experience of certain events may be completely different than what you'd imagine, having never been in the other person's shoes. What you will get from listening to Valerie's story is a little glimpse into the heart of a fellow human. Every bit closer you get to each heart on earth, the closer you get to understanding why we are the way we are and how we're all connected. Subscribe to the On Being Human podcast on Apple. Episode 91, Buddhism for Beginners. Um, one of my first audiobooks, and when I discovered the love 
to tell stories. Another thing of the nourishment, without making a decision as positive or negative, essentially see the smell that is available. Number five, as you place the food in your mouth, don't begin biting it. Notice how the berry feels in the mouth. Notice the temperature, the nuances of the surface, and any taste. Number six, start biting gradually and see what occurs. Would you be able to detect an adjustment in taste or the surface of the fruit? Notice the juice of the fruit or any seeds. Give extraordinary consideration to the changing and temporary nature of the experience. Number seven, swallowing. Feel the berry as it descends your throat. Episode 93. It's about the people. A great interview with a local Calgarian and podcaster, Michael Montgomery, who finds the stories behind the people, startups, homebuyers, and more. Check it out. How many episodes do you have now? We're up to 80 some. Oh, okay. So we're about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, we're, we're similar. And um, it, it kind of ebbs and flows with how it really just depends on, on how busy I am at the end of the day on how many I can actually get out, mm-hmm. say in like a month time. My ideal target is like to get one out a week, but I find right. that it doesn't end up happening. So I've been doing it for a year and a half, mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. Well, over two years now. Yeah. Over two years. So it doesn't end up happening that I get one out every every single week. But you try. You do the best okay. you can. So I'm very regimented with that. Yeah, I know. Your show is very regimented. So yesterday was the first time I was late. But to get it out? Yeah. Yeah. And I got it out on the day. Yeah. And were you sweating bullets? Oh, yeah. I was just like <laughs> freaking out. Isn't he just so personable? Loves to chat and have conversation. He's right, though. The editing part does take up the most amount of time. If we had people and a team to do this work for us, we would definitely expedite the episodes being dropped into the listeners' ears more quickly. Because what I've gone and done is, now that I have, like, the studio set up, I auditioned for audiobooks. Mmm, Good. And now I'm doing Audible as well. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm really trying to utilize my equipment and everything. And Yeah, you might as well. And I love the Audible part. Yeah. But it's funny because all the books I've done are all about, like, I wanted, didn't want to do, like, voice characters. Mm-hmm. I have no drama background. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, a dramatic yeah. person, but I didn't do drama. Yeah. And so I wanted to do, like, guides. Like, yeah. learn how to do yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the very first one I did was What is Wicca? Mm. Oh, I saw that. And I know nothing about Wicca. I saw that on your website, yeah. Well, this is so interesting. Yeah. Like the book You learned was, something new. At this yeah, point. the book was so good. Mm-hmm. And then um then I did one on Buddhism and I did one on chakras. Yeah. It's weird too cuz most of the audible people write under a pen name. Be- being on Audible, do you mean? Or like in general? No, just in seems- general. Oh, okay. Interesting. Really? Like so when you why- reach out to them, it's a different name? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And they like are very loosey-goosey about like, this is written by Dr. Valerie Moss. And this is like... Yeah. 
I don't like, and I don't know the legalities or if it's even like, you know, falsely representing mm-hmm. somebody with, or maybe they really know this person or maybe that person really did. Like, I don't know any of the background. Yeah. I'm only speculating because everybody has a pen name. Really? Every single one. That's I've interesting. Done, like, you think you'd want five or six books? Episode 94, Black Cats and Magic Crystals, an audiobook produced by me, which was eye-opening and interesting learning about this nature-based religion. Here's the clip. The most typical types of crystals you will find in Wicca are amethyst, bloodstone, carnelian, citrine, hematite, jade, jet. Lapis lazuli, malachite, moonstone, quartz, rose quartz, tiger's eye. All of these have their own unique energies and strengths. Charging your crystals. Sunlight is a very beneficial tool when it comes to cleansing your crystals. Energies, as you well know by this point, can tend to linger after certain things. It's important after casting magic to purge those energies from your minerals so that your next casting goes smoothly without any unexpected energies lingering in the mix. You can use sunlight to purge other energies from your crystals and to imbue them with a light and power that will improve the magic that you make. Simply leave your crystals in the sunlight for several hours before their next use. For added measure, you can use an oil of an herb that is ideal for cleansing to anoint your crystals once they have been charged. You can charge your crystals under the moon as well. The full moon is the most potent and crucial time for charging magical artifacts and tools. So make sure you have all your items gathered and ready when the full moon comes around. The soil of the earth is another great cleanser for your minerals. It takes the minerals back to their origin and grounds them in that energy. Talismans If you're familiar with magical artifacts and tools, you've likely heard the word talisman, thrown around to describe a small artifact that is representative of something or which holds magical properties. A small item or totem, in this case we'll use a crystal, can be charged with an intention. It represents that intention and it is imbued with magic that will bolster our efforts in that direction. The idea behind this is that the magical properties and energies which are native to that crystal combine with your own energies and properties. These energies and properties merge with your intention and the magic that you bestow on the talisman. With those energies and meanings combined, this charged stone serves as a reminder and a helper to move you in the right direction, while the universe adjusts to align with that which you've asked of it. Carrying a talisman around with you can help you to keep your priorities straight Episode 96, She's an Angler. When I interviewed these two amazing women, I didn't know at the time even what an angler was. 
what a fun and awesome episode with two Fisher women. Here's the clip. The purpose is to hold the hook in place, lodge it into the captive. When they crimp the hooks, this removes the barb and the hook will come out more safely from the fish, causing less damage than a typical barbed tri-hook. I'm so curious about this. I have so many questions. <laughs> Not that. No. Or they, like Amber was saying, you kind of will make them to reflect the bugs in the air, perhaps. Is that right? Yep. Are the yeah. different seasons? So what the bugs season? in the, well, it all depends because there's so many different types of insects that are hatch you know at different times along the river so sometimes you have like little nymph um uh, like bugs so if you're turning over rocks in the river you can see the bugs on the bottom of them Um, or sometimes if you brush the bushes you'll get a cloud of of bugs maybe caddis or mayflies or something like that and so you can match whatever's on the river, maybe what the trout is fe- feeding on, to what you're going to tie on the end of your line. And would you tie it then when you're out, or would you tie it before you go out? You, you tie it then, and you hmm. could change it. You'd be like, you know, do a couple casts, and that fly is not working, or that you know, nymph for that worm isn't working and you might just, okay, well, change it up. They just try, you know, usually go with a quite a few different flies to the edge of the river and cut them off and tie a new one. Oh, Did you say that? Cody? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, once you start fishing some bodies of water and you're familiar with the hatches that could be occurring when you're fishing at that time, in your fly box, you will have the variety, like Amber was saying, the, the mayfly, the caddis, a variety of nymphs. Um, if fish are jumping, they're typically feeding right at the surface, or there might be another kind of fly called an emerger fly, which hangs right at the, uh, what do they call it, um, right at the edge of the water line. There's mm. a, a word for that that I can't rec- recall. And um, so the fish will be jumping either for landed bugs bugs flying over the water or bugs that are just like being hatched say crawling out of their nymph skin and flexing their wings and getting to the water surface oh interesting so fish feed in many different levels of the water okay kind of like they're you know they could be feeding at any point of the life life Episode 97 and 98 is an interview with a famous author about his book, Paris by the Book. This book was a gift and a great read, and I got to interview him, Liam Callanan, and wow, was he humble and in love with Paris. We even brought a stroller. We never used it. Uh, So she must have been three or four. And at one point, she stood in the middle of the sidewalk. She put her hands on her hips and she said, Daddy, I think I've been here before. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, unless we didn't keep a good eye on her daycare and they'd snuck her off over the Atlantic. Right. Uh, she'd never been there, but she had been there through these books. And so 
I think, and and kind of a very much a myth appears, which I think, and that's not just unique to these books, but I think that's almost unique worldwide and true of maybe very few other cities that people have an image of Paris, even if they never go, they know what it's like. And like, for example, when I'm, whenever I'm there, I notice that people will find themselves, particularly couples, they're on a bridge over the Seine, maybe they're near the Eiffel Tower, maybe not. But they kind of stop in the middle of the bridge and they look at each other. I've seen this happen. They look at each other and you can almost see the thought cross their minds like, we're in Paris, we should be kissing because we're on a should, bridge yes, over the Seine. Should we be getting married? Or... And it's just because they have this and then they kiss. And so it's because they have this kind of, you know, image of Paris built up in their minds. And I think that's a lot of what people kind of contend with. And so in my book, there's two people, Robert and his wife, Leah, and their kids who all have this image of Paris as a place of freedom or escape or duty or obligation or magic or romance or loneliness. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. And they all see it in different ways. And so, it's interesting. The German edition of this book uh, has a completely different title because Paris by the Book did not ex- did not translate well into German as a title. And the entire in German, the book is called "I Dream a Paris for You" or "I Invent a Paris for You." And mm. I think it's, it doesn't really sound good in English, but I love the idea behind it because all the characters in this book, to their own extent, are kind of inventing a Paris on the fly. It's like they're they're making this world all around them. And that, you know, that's something that I've experienced while I was there. So, uh, yeah, and I, and like just to kind of clarify too, with the girls that you have in the book, they're, you know, younger teenagers and they have their own way of taking Paris in to their characters mm-hmm. and not just the characters of their actual in the book character, but their personalities. The two yeah. sisters just kind of take it on differently and one becomes more fluent in French and the other one kind of knows how to do the market shopping better and things like that, right? And they, they have their own do. little way to maneuver through Paris and help their mom, Leah, who kind of acts like she's struggling, but in the end, she's very fluent in the Paris culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you know, to, someone described it to me as it's a book about a. Last but not least, episode number 99, the close of 2020. My year in review, ups and downs, a story of perspective and feeding the homeless. Heard for miles around, echoing through the canyon. The older of the two brings experience, while the younger brings the strength of youth. One hard jerk at just the right angle breaks the neck of the old bull, and he falls dead, pinning the younger in a lifeless eye-to-eye gaze. The young bull tries with all his might to unlock his horns from the dead elder, but it's of no use. After hours of struggle, his energy spent, the younger elk falls next to his foe. Trapped in death's embrace, suffering and exhausted, he dies of dehydration. While a cool river runs only feet from him, singing its mocking song. When you are looking to lock horns with someone, you must understand your foe. 
Often, the fight can cost more than the expected when you are the only opponent. The fight you speak of are not ones you can win if you are fighting yourself. You must pick a side and hope you don't break your neck in the process. Only you can know what battles to take up and which ones to lay down. You are very brave, Hoot. Never doubt your courage, and you will never be alone if you are willing to let spirit in, he says. I don't feel brave. I feel tired. You're cold, Grandfather says, pulling the blanket from his legs and wrapping it around my shoulders. Taking a corner in my left hand, I pull it over his back, draping it around him to cocoon both of us in its warm embrace. I pull him close and take in all the beauty. God really outdid himself with this one. It's a true masterpiece. If I could just sit here in this moment forever, I would be content in the land of the dinosaurs and dead gladiators. Uh -oh. Excuse me. Oh no. Looks like a smash Our Christmas oh, day stuck. was just the three of us. Why are you trying to the three this? mosses. Enjoying our special time together. We had Christmas catered. It was wonderful. We had way too much Cakes. food. Okay, gang, let's do this. Yeah. You're gonna go to that same spot? Yeah, because that's because like the homeless center's right there, right? They're like the seriously. My groom had an idea to bring this to the homeless. We understood the rules around COVID, but decided we would drop these meals, all heated from the oven. Hey everyone. Wow, what a great time I had looking back through all of these episodes. Yikes. In three-minute segments, some of them I now want to know more and possibly listen to again. I can see the progression of these podcasts' quality over time. I sure hope you noticed this too. Some I did remaster. What was your favorite episode and why? Did I have a guest on that you want to get to know further? Let me know. Coming up this year, you will get introduced to more of my produced audiobooks, meet some of the authors that wrote these books, and of course, be a fly on the wall for some interviews. More Valerie's as the segment is surely spreading, follow-up shows, and so much more. Thank you for the past 100 shows, and looking forward to 100 more. If you want to be on my show, maybe share your most secret family recipe, or a skit, or something you love, or just a story that's near and dear. Let me know. Eat, read, create. Visit the show notes for links to all of these episodes we've reviewed in snippets over the last five parts. And of course, links to my socials. All the artwork has been updated. You'll see a nice theme there. I am Valerie Moss in Studio 17. Thanks for listening.
What did I learn from the last 100 shows? First, I need to be humble in life because you never know what people go through. When I interview people, let them do most of the talking. Everyone can teach you something. I want to bring more value to the show, like answering the whys and the how'd you get there's. I need to continue to build my goals each year because this makes me strive for myself. I've also learned that I love this side hustle of voice work, whether it be podcasting or audiobook narration. And I like the people who are in this field also because we teach each other. I've learned that you can learn anything if you want to. Like this industry I'm in, because I need to learn a new software. I need to be able to read ahead of my speaking. You need to hear things that you wouldn't normally hear, like a mouth click. I'm more raw and connected now with my audience and my guests than I have ever been before. And this is making me a better host because I make my guests feel comfortable. I don't know what's in store for me for the next 100 things, but I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you'll stay with me for the ride. When I put a shout-out to my followers, friends, and like-minded people in my circles, and asked them what they learned after 100 blank, how did it change them? And here's what they had to say. Hey, Valerie, thank you so much for having me on your show and congratulations on 100 episodes. I really love your podcast and I love that you're just so relaxed about the content. And I think that you're so smart in picking a variety show because it really lets you talk about whatever you want. So I'm the host of OK Podcast, which is a show about Radiohead and uh, the band, the music, and also a podcast called Clarinet, which is about the clarinet. And while I do love both of those niches and genres, it would be so nice sometimes to just explore and talk about whatever I want and have an audience to do it with. So what have I learned over 100 episodes? Well, I think I learned that I had to inject my personality into the content. And I know that seems kind of obvious, but as a new podcaster, I sort of felt like I was producing a show that I wanted to listen to. And so I was almost just talking to someone from a frame of an audience member. And it was only... It was a while into the producing the content that I actually realized that people were partly there for me. And uh, this became super obvious to me when I actually went down to a clarinet conference and um, people actually came up to me and wanted to get pictures with me, which at first I thought they were joking, um, but they were serious. And so I realized that the clarinet podcast especially has really become sort of my brand and, and what I do in the clarinet world. And the guests I talk to are a bonus. Um, so I think that podcasting is a really special thing. And I definitely congratulate you on 100 episodes episodes. It's a huge milestone. Here's to 100 more. I started season one thinking that doing this podcast around the human condition would be way easier than it has been. I've always thought knowledge, compassion, grace, and love were important. But now I'm thinking more than ever that we owe each other compassion, grace, and love. In addition to, we owe the world our true selves. What I learned that I didn't expect to learn is how many different forms trauma comes in. Because of that, the number of people who have trauma in their lives is staggering. When I went through my own traumas, I felt very alone and like other people wouldn't understand. 
over the years as I've healed, I've realized that others do understand. And now because it's evident that there are so many of us who experience trauma, it's also evident that we can call it out and stop it. Absolutely reject racism, reject classism, reject sexism, reject homophobia, reject transphobia, reject division over politics, reject all types of prejudices, really challenge stereotypes and reject abuse of all types. Explore the outliers to find that maybe outliers are just another way of being rather than wrong or abnormal. Love your bodies, advocate for your bodies and the bodies of others, and ultimately reject hate. But understand that that hate came from a toxic seed to begin with. Therefore, identify those negative toxic cycles of existence so we can turn them around Your size, shape, color, religion, gender, sexual orientation, learning style, purpose here, and journey are all amazingly miraculous and worth celebration. And every single variation of each of those characteristics and more is what makes us human. Valerie. For your 100th podcast, you've asked us what we felt when we managed to do something 100 times. I guess I could talk about my 100th radio show, oh so many decades ago. But if I was connecting with anyone at that point, believe me, there were times I thought I was just sitting in a glorified broom closet talking to no one. It was not a solo effort. The radio station's overall performance guaranteed someone would be out there. Instead, I'd like to highlight the 100 times I've told myself to be bold, find a new outlet for my talents, and do the hard work necessary to make it happen. Unfortunately, there are also 100 times I've failed to follow through. But not you. Totally on your own, with no guarantee of an audience, you've done the work. And now here it is, your 100th podcast. Congratulations on believing in yourself and making it happen. I'm also recording the 100th things from my friend Amber Ramsey. I've known her since I was 15 years old. So our relationship is going on 25 years. Hers says, As a real estate agent for over 16 years and 100 clients, I learned that everyone is seeking what feels like home to them either running towards something or away from something. Very few are content with what is. Usually to fulfill a want, not necessarily a need. After 100 clients, I've learned that everyone is walking around this earth asking one of two questions. Do I matter to you or do I still matter to you? Amber Ramsey Hi, this is Jason Lasky from jlaskyvoices.com, providing sound solutions for your VO needs. What I have learned after 100 asterisk students. 
There needs to be an asterisk there because I have taught hundreds of kids over the last 14 years of living and working around the world. In my last school, there were about 80 nationalities represented between staff and students. Now, as an American born in the early 1980s, I was inundated with a lot of xenophobic imagery in terms of TV and film characters. How many times were Russians or Middle Eastern folk portrayed as the bad guys across every genre, while the American white man saved the day and taught us all a valuable lesson? Funny enough, Arnold Schwarzenegger has portrayed both the USSR police officer needing an American cultural education and an American spy who, in the end, literally blows up a Middle Eastern terrorist. But that's an aside. I've been married for over seven years to a Russian who I met in China on St. Patrick's Day through a Frenchman in a bar owned by a Japanese man. That's also an aside. More to the point, one day a few years ago, after a decade of living and working abroad, an Iraqi student, not one of my theater or English pupils, came to me asking if I could help him with his university application essay because other students had recommended me. My only relationship with Iraq up to that point had been matrix green tinted night scope visions of bombs flying through the skies on the nightly news during the Gulf War. That, and caricatures of Middle Eastern leaders in comedies such as The Naked Gun and Hot Shots. I've learned over the years that one's national history does not define one's character by any stretch. I accepted the job, and he emailed me his first draft. By the time I finished my first pass, I had tears in my eyes. Here was his story. In his town, he and his best friend were out shopping for last-minute items for his best friend's brother's wedding that weekend. Some bags in tow, they stopped at an outdoor cafe for some coffee. They talked about the wedding, about plans for the fall, about going abroad for high school. The best friend needed a bow tie, so he excused himself to a shop around the corner. A few minutes later, there was an explosion from around the corner, and my student was caught in the immediate chaos with the other people who had been out enjoying their day and talking about their plans. He ran around the corner and saw the debris of what used to be several storefronts. He approached the tie shop his friend had gone to and, after some searching, discovered his best friend's lifeless body. His best friend had been someone who dreamed of a world devoid of terrorism, both homegrown and abroad. His death was the result of the former. The essay concluded by him saying that to honor his best friend, he wanted to study diplomacy and become part of peacemaking task forces that would educate people away from hate. The only thing I could do was suggest a few grammatical and sentence structural changes. The lesson for me? Teach love and peace from an early age, and hate won't stand a chance. Greetings. My name is Dini Stein, and I'm an audiobook narrator. At my advanced age, there are a multitude of things that I have done a hundred times. So I decided to go with songs. I joined a choir when we came to Canada 40 years ago, and by now I have learned and performed at least 100 songs. In fact, for my 65th birthday, I recorded a CD called Legacy to celebrate that milestone. Singing led to a career in audiobook narration, and I have just reached the 50-book milestone for ACX Audible. My favorite genre has to be children's books and mysteries, which allows me to play with different characters and accents. Singers are usually pretty good at pronouncing different languages and accents, and what also helps is my ability to speak five languages.
To find out more about me, visit my website, dinnysvoice.com. This is a story from my Auntie Kathy in being a nurse to over 100 patients. First, 100 patients, a nurse's perspective. I remember my first patient, Mary was her name, an elderly, indigenous, very wise woman. I learned the most valuable lesson of my career that day. We spoke different languages, so it was quite a challenge to communicate. Our staff interpreter was away on a much-needed break. So, with some theatrics and charades, we figured it out. We went from a frown to a smile. I still remember the sparkle in her eyes. I looked after Mary for six days. She got better and went home. She called me her Okisikau, Angel. I left her room and entered hundreds of rooms after. Some were happy, welcoming a new baby. Some were sad, not ready to let go of a loved one. They all had one thing in common, searching for direction and advice. Comfort and consolement. Sometimes the unspoken word is body language. No matter what the challenge is, if it is important to you, you will succeed. Kathy Perperny. Kathy Perperny. She was a nurse for over 35 years. Hi, I'm Marianne, and I'm an audio narrator at Marianne Audio. It's a pleasure to be invited to talk on Valerie Moss's podcast about what I've learned and how it's changed me. So I have chosen to talk about what I learned after reading 100 pages of the second book I narrated, entitled Pillars of Avalon, by Catherine Pym with Jude Pittman. This was a long book to narrate, It's about a 10-hour listen, so the first thing I learned was stamina. This book was going to take a while and I needed to keep going. The second thing I learned was that I could narrate using different character voices. There were a lot of character voices in this book with several different accents. French, English, Scottish and young and old, male and female, King Charles I even. So I was determined to do these as well as possible. I also learned that being consistent with character voices was essential. The third thing I learned was to provide a compelling delivery. So in order to do this, I needed to really feel the emotions of the characters and enjoy the story myself so that I could portray this in my narration. I think this worked as I received a good review in the Audiophile magazine. I learned new words and how to pronounce them and also how to ensure my voice was clear throughout, and keeping my narration free of mouth noises and any other external noise. The reading of this book changed me in that it made me feel more confident about my narration, and that it was possible for me to complete a 10-hour audiobook, and feel good about that. So really, I think it's increased my confidence. It also made me want to do more, so it's inspired me to keep going. 
So my most recent audiobook is entitled Goodwill for the Gentleman by Martha Keyes, and it's out now on Audible, iTunes and Amazon, and it's a really fun historical romance. If you would like to hear more about my narration, please visit my website, which is www.marianneaudio.com or Instagram at marianneaudio. This is for Valerie's Variety Podcast at valeriemoss.ca on all the regular platforms for her 100th podcast episode. Thanks very much. My name is David Boisvert, and I'm a musician in the Nashville, Tennessee area. My main instrument is saxophone, and I've been playing music for over 30 years now. Professionally, I've been in uh, anything from uh, a swing band to uh, rock to R&B to uh, just all sorts of different genres. I used to get very nervous getting on stage and getting in front of people. I can honestly say that doing this as many times as I have, I no longer get nervous. And a big part of overcoming that was the realization that I need to learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's where I found the most growth. In continuing to do that, I find that, okay, now it's not so uncomfortable. Another thing I've learned through playing with many different bands is that Making a mistake is not the end of the world. Uh, The music still goes on. (laughs) A good band member will help cover you if you make a mistake. There's a lot more to consider when you're playing with a a group of people. You have to figure out, okay, what is my role here? What am I supposed to be playing? What am I not supposed to be playing? Who am I supporting? If there's a lead vocalist, my job is going to be to support that person make them sound as good as they possibly can. I'm oftentimes in the same range as a vocalist, whether that's male or female. And so if they're singing, uh, I got to make sure that either I don't play or what I play is, is going to be underneath that person. So I've had to learn the skill of really focused listening, not just for one person, but listening to the whole rest of the group. What is the drummer doing? What's the bass player doing? And what is my role in this? I'm certainly a better person because of having to work with a team, working with others, learning to listen, confidence in playing, in singing, uh, or performing in front of other people I don't know. Music has been something that has been a real life-changing experience for me. It would be hard for me to sum up how much I've learned or how it's changed me But I can say that it doesn't just apply to music, but it applies to the rest of my life. It's a way that we can all share with each other and be with each other. And we don't even have to speak the same language. It's truly a unifying force. And now more than ever, I think we could really use that. Hi, my name's Sunny McMurtry, and I'm a professional interviewer and producer of interviews. And first of all, Valerie, congratulations on your 100th podcast. That's fabulous. Now, I have to say, I know the question is, what have I learned in producing 100 plus interviews? And really, 
I, I've learned that the thing I love most in life is interviewing people. I loved watching interviews when I was two or three years old in Texas, watching TV, uh, the Today Show in New York, and watching the interviewers interview people in front of the crowds there in Rockefeller Center. I learn so much from what people say in interviews. And quite frankly, oftentimes, hearing someone's interview has helped me solve a problem or a challenge that I was facing because they were talking about the same thing that I was trying to deal with. Now, when it came time to decide what I was going to do for a living, I thought, you know what? I just want to be a professional interviewer. And that's what I've done. I have been a producer for ABC and NBC and CBS and other outlets, and I was always producing interviews or I was doing the interviewing. I've worked for people like Barbara Walters, Dr. Phil, Charlie Rose. I never find anyone uninteresting as an interview. And truthfully, if there was a way to interview stones and plants and animals, I would do that too. And if someone said, listen, there's only one thing that you can do 24-7 for the rest of your life, I would say, I want to talk to people. I want to be an interviewer because Interviewing has made me fall in love with the human race and to really appreciate how people are at their core, we're all the same. We're really not any different. Uh, we may look a little bit different on the outside, but at the core, we kind of all want the same things. We're trying to be happy. We're trying to fall in love. We're trying to find people who we can be friends with. And sometimes we all like to get a little angry and outraged about things. And I just love hearing people talk about how they deal with life. So what I've learned in a 100 plus interviews is that the human race is fabulous and forever interesting. So again, Valerie, congratulations on your 100th podcast, and I hope we're doing this kind of thing for your next 100 podcast anniversary. Hi, my name is Emily Lawrence, and I'm a professional audiobook narrator. Valerie asked me to record something about hitting 100 audiobooks or 100 of something. Um, I'm actually closely approaching 400, so I hit 100 a little while ago. Um, but I, I just want to start by saying that I think it's so great what Valerie is doing. I was always so focused on what's ahead and what I had yet to do or yet to accomplish that I did not stop and turn around and celebrate that I hit 100 or 200 or 300. I think I actually got to 350 before I was ever like, you know what, let's go to dinner and celebrate the fact that I did this. Um, I, I think that I I have a tendency of taking my accomplishments for granted and um, and not giving myself credit for the things that I've accomplished. So I just want to say that I think it's really wonderful that Valerie is taking a moment to celebrate 100 podcast episodes. I think that's great. And congratulations to all of the other 
people on this episode who are celebrating 100 of something. It's it's 100 is a big number. <laughs> it's a big deal. So in terms of what I learned at 100 audiobooks, I think by 100 audiobooks, it's it's pretty clear that like it's it's not a blip anymore, you know? It's not it's not an accident. <laughs> um that that this is something that you have a proven track record for and and that gives you a sense of possibilities. Uh, maybe by 100 you've quit your day job, you've uh, been able to pay your rent, you know, you're you kind of have a sense of like, wow, this could actually be my career. Um and so I that was a really big moment knowing that I could support myself as an artist was a big thing for me. Um, my my dad always wanted me to take business courses in college because he was terrified that I wouldn't have a backup if uh, if acting didn't work. Um, and so knowing that that I could in fact make my living as a performing artist was huge. It was just huge. That and it, it's still huge. It's still something I'm immensely proud of. And I I don't think that that can never be understated. I think by 100, you generally feel pretty competent. Maybe not confident. Maybe you don't feel like an expert yet. But by 100, you feel like, okay, I get this. I can do this. Um, it's, you know, I understand the ropes. And I think feeling competent is, <laughs> is an understated feeling. <laughs> um, I think you know, you're you're no longer at the the novice stage. You're very you may not be an expert, but you're very much at the, you know, competent, professional, I get it stage. And I think that's that's a big deal. But I think the main thing that I learned from a hundred audiobooks and two hundred and three hundred and <laughs> approaching four hundred, the thing that I have consistently um, learned again and again in my career is stubbornness, persistence, not giving up, keep going, um, knowing that that if you just keep going, just keep trying, wade your way through the rejection and all the other hard parts of this industry and, and any industry, um, especially as an artist, if you just keep going that's that's the only recipe for success that I know is to just not stop. So to everyone out there, don't stop at 100. You know, keep going and um, keep keep staying stubborn. Uh, keep believing in yourself. Keep dreaming. Hi, I'm Avon Shore. Several years ago, I decided I wanted to read 100 books in a year. Um, back then, I was primarily reading paper books, and reading a whole proper-sized book approximately every three days seemed doable, but also a challenge. I failed to hit the century mark for two years running, but the third year, I got it. The funny thing was that after accomplishing that with some deliberate effort, it became easy. It became just a thing that I did, and I've read or listened to a hundred books every year since then. Increasingly, I listen to books much more than I read physical books. The way that I consume books has changed. 
I'm also an audiobook narrator myself, and in 2020, I passed the personal milestone of having narrated 100 books. That felt good, while it also felt like just the beginning. More like the first hundred books of hopefully many more hundreds of books over time. In both of my hundred milestone scenarios, it was less about ticking off a box of accomplishment than passing one threshold of a way of being. Congratulations on all of your one hundreds and the ways they have made you different. My name is Ronna LaFay, also known as Hoot. I am an author, psychic reader, and a life coach. My journey to 100 readings started with a simple Halloween party where I was the equivalent of the party clown at a kid's birthday party. I was dressed as a gypsy giving a psychic reading to the partygoers. This party turned into a nearly 24-hour constant reading. My life was tossed upside down from that moment on. My journey to 100 readings was swift and really quite a blur. I had reached out over 100 readings in the first month following that single party. Those 100 readings were the foundation of many years of readings to come. They have taught me that we are all much more alike than different. We all have the same hopes and desires for happiness, success, love, acceptance, and the innate need to know where we go after death. Every reading has a story behind it, a person seeking an answer. Over the years, I have been entrusted with the most vulnerable at their very lowest moments. Sometimes it's just the hope of holding on until the tide turns. Other times it is giving a smile to a mother who has lost a child and feels that she may never smile again. I soon found that celebrities and people I had put on pedestals really had the same issues as all the other people. It did steal my heroes. I don't have very many of those anymore, but I did gain a lot of friends. I love each of my clients as I love my own family. We are all one. After my first 100 readings, I learned to be patient with myself and others. We are all trying to do the best we can. Be kind. We are all going through something. Love fully. 100% 100 is represented by the color of platinum, a symbol of true love, purity, rarity, and strength. No matter what you are doing, if it's worth doing 100 times, make it filled with each of these qualities and take pride that you are amazing and making a difference. If you are so inclined, you can buy my book, The Education of Hoot, A Spiritual Journey, on Amazon. You can also visit my website at psychicronalafay.com, wherein you can find free resources and tools for spiritual development and readings. Have a magical day.